Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A very warm welcome. This is the Motormouth Podcast with myself, Harry Benjamin, and Tim Sylvie, where in each show we sit down with a figure from the world of motorsport and dive into how exactly they ended up where they are now. F1 champions, team principals, Formula E and touring car stars. If there's anyone with a story to tell, they'll usually tell it right here. Motormouth is an app and website where you can catch up with all the latest F1 gossip at motormouth.club and view live timings across a race weekend with our app. We're also proud to be partnered with the Brain Tumor Charity, helping to raise awareness and help find a cure through events like our annual karting race, where you can go head-to-head against professional drivers, all to raise vital funds. For more info, check out motormouthkartrace.com. This podcast is brought to you by F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. F1 Experiences is the closest you can get to the pinnacle of motorsport. And let's face it, any chance to get close to Formula one we're all over it enjoy the very best race tickets and track hospitality first class hotels and unprecedented access you simply cannot get anywhere else for more information on how you can book your f1 experience visit f1experiences.com where you can also save five percent on your very own f1 experiences package by using the code mm11f1e when checking out online so what are you waiting for experience the 2022 f1 season firsthand with exclusive access courtesy of of F1 Experiences. Get booking today at f1experiences.com. Hi, I'm Tim Sylvie, and today we're joined by one of the top people in the Formula E paddock who hails from Etterbeek in Belgium. I hope I've said that correctly, which is one of the 19 municipalities of the Brussels region and is a bilingual area. 35% of its inhabitants are of foreign origin, which means people can often struggle to integrate with daily life in terms of communication. So, Harry Benjamin, can you tell me what languages they officially speak in Etterbeek when addressing the public? Languages. Correct. Multiple. Multiple. So, uh, well, isn't that just the languages they speak in, in Belgium? Which, no? is, like, which is? 
So French, mm-hmm. Flemish. Ah, oh, now you see, well, I, no? I, I've got Dutch and French. Oh, well, Dutch was going to be my, my third one, but I, I'm pretty sure, I, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Flemish is, is one. Well, my yeah. research has thrown up Dutch and French, but a recent change in policy has led to language inclusivity in this area, so that all meetings conducted will be in French, Dutch and English, giving people the chance to choose what language oh, they yeah. feel most comfortable speaking. But in addition to that, they're actually having discussions to make English an official language of Brussels so the city can claim its role as the capital of Europe. So it's a fully multilingual cultural melting pot. So there you Wow, are. what a start to the show, I must <laughs> say. A really, a really diversion start. <laughs> You're welcome, listeners. Now, listen, you've had a, a busy old couple of weeks and um, you got a, a bit of a call up to do some work with the e-scooter championship. How'd it go? Yes, well, it is somewhat relevant. Of course, one of the um, the, the co-founders, uh, Lucas Degrassi, along with uh, um, Alex Vertz as well, some names you might recognise there, for the ESC, the e-scooter uh, championship, uh, which had its first round last weekend at the time of recording in, in London at Printworks, which is a gigantic venue. Um, and it's uh, all-electric scooter racing, essentially. And it's great. It's really fun. It's a whole event type thing really it's a bit it reminded me sort of what you might it's like olympics crossed with a a bit of a party really all the riders are sort of former olympians or professional bmx riders or skateboarders snowboarders um holkenberg's involved with the team carlin have got a team anthony joshua Um, the boxer anthony joshua's got a team that you know it's a really high caliber of of people involved um and i think it i think it went really well for a for for a brand new you know look back to when formula e had its first ever race this was you know a first ever start for a a whole new type of sport yeah i think it it was a really um uh, a good a really great start for it so yeah. it was nice to to play a, a very small part oh look great well con- congrats um right well should we um introduce today's guest i think so so today we're joined by jerome d'ambrosio born in 1985 he started his career racing carts aged eight before moving up through the ranks of the likes of renault 1.6 in belgium formula renault 2.0 formula masters gp2 and of course formula one where he made 20 race appearances for Virgin Racing, and he was also there with Lotus F1. He hopped across to Formula E for the opening season for uh, Dragon Racing before a stint with Mahindra, and finally finding himself as team principal with Rocket Venturi Racing alongside CEO Susie Wolf. We're here to talk about his life career, thoughts and opinions. Jerome, a very, very warm welcome to the Motormouth Podcast. Thank you. Jerome. I have a question, have a question for you, because you spoke about languages Uh-oh. in the beginning in Brussels. Yeah. You know there's another language in Belgium. Is it Flemish? Is it Flemish? On, on top of all the languages that you mentioned, there's another language in Belgium. Hold on. So you've got, we've got French, we've got Dutch. Flemish is in there somewhere. The, the, so the, you mean Dutch, German? Oh, no. See, so you're getting into the weeds now. So, so the, there's, a, there's Dutch, German? So we have German. three official languages in Belgium. Flemish, yeah. French, and German. Oh, so where's, I didn't know the German. So there's no Dutch? Dutch is Flemish. Dutch is... Oh, I'm so confused now. <laughs> so we've got Flemish, which is the Dutch. Okay, so Harry, you were right. I was right. We've got the F- Flemish slash Dutch, German, and, and French. And, French and, and soon, potentially, English, English as another official language. Here you go. Yeah. 
You know what? You learn something new every day. Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jerome, for educating us there. Well, where are you at the moment? You're not in Belgium. You're surrounded, for those who can't see, by multiple uh, cacti. Uh, whereabouts are you at the moment? I'm actually in, uh, in Monaco. I haven't lived in Belgium for a while. I moved away uh, when I was 18. And, um, and, and now I've been for the last seven, yeah, seven, eight years in Monaco. Uh, and I'm actually right now in the Rocket Venture offices. Actually, do you know, I, I, was, I was there a couple of weeks ago, actually, in the um, Rocket Venturi offices, and they're amazing. They've got, we, we had an interview with the um, Land Speed record team at uh, Bloodhound Gang, Bloodhound Gang, Bloodhound Team, and um, they have, uh, you guys, Jerome, have the equivalent of their basically rocket ship of a um, high-speed car in your lobby in, uh, in the offices there, the electric Land Speed car, which is a pretty impressive thing. That's right, the VBB3, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, over 500-something kilometers per hour back in 2016, I think. Yeah. Um, very impressive. Uh, what Gildo has built, uh, has done with the land speed records over the years is pretty astonishing because he got involved into that way, way before it was mainstream. Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and the, the, the final um, mention of, of Monaco when, when I was there, the reason I was there, Harry, was to... Um, do some work with one of um, Rocket Venturi's sponsors, Elite. So I'm going to do a plug because I happen to have a bottle of Elite in my hand. Look at that. That is a big old bottle of vodka. So a little shout out to one of your sponsors just to make Damien happy, who's the CEO of Elite. There we go, Damien. There's there's your bottle of Elite Elite vodka. He's there's not, the, he's not even being paid for that. Unbelievable. No, no that's a freebie. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's um, just because it's the best vodka around. There you go. It is. <laughs> Ever, cheers to that everybody <laughs> um well let's focus on well it, i mean clearly it's you've had a really wide and, and, and varied career so far jerome from starting obviously as a you know karting racing driver making your way up through the ranks to transitioning from formula one to you know gts and, and now formula e as a driver and in this new role there's a, a lot to cover but i suppose you know if we if we start with with formula one shall we you know you were there with virgin racing can you tell us what that step up was like when you when you made it onto the grids and then the the transition away from F1 and, and how you dealt with that period of, of your life? The feeling, you know, when you sign in, in Formula One, regardless which team you sign for, it's it's really a life achievement for a young race car driver. And and that was the case for me back in the days. Uh, I remember perfectly it was right before Christmas. Uh, we uh, we signed the contract with with Virgin and it's the emotion was incredible. Um, then I remember the first Grand Prix just being there in Melbourne uh, on the grid, you know, with all the other guys, uh, big names, and and one of them was uh, Mikael was uh, Mikael Schumacher was was driving that year. Um, the first Grand Prix I ever went to see in Formula One was uh, unfortunately was Imola '94, um, and he was on the grid at that time. And I remember my dad calling me after Melbourne saying, it's, it's, it's crazy. We were in Imola in 94, you know, Schumacher was driving there. Michael was driving there and, and now you're next to him on the grid. It was, it was, you know, out of a different world, but then, you know, obviously the instinct of the racing driver kicks in and, and you want performance. And so just being there is, it's, it's not good enough. So, I think I really had very highs during that uh, during that season in Formula One, just because there were some milestones of of achieving uh, certain things as a race car driver. 
uh, some performance uh, against my teammate that were quite encouraging, but then, um, but then it's not sustainable. Um, it's not enough uh, to 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 sustainably remain in Formula One. And uh, unfortunately, for me, I mean that that was the end of the experience. I had one more Grand Prix with uh, with uh, Lotus Renault uh, to replace Grosjean in 2012. Um, and looking back at it, uh, it was the best experience. I'm so grateful for having done that. Um, at the same time, um, the exit was actually really difficult in the beginning to acknowledge that I wasn't going to move up and, and be in a midfield or top team and, and continue my progression in my career and with the aim to be to, to, to winning races and be fighting at the front in Formula One. You digest that as a driver, but then in the end, I went away, I did a bit of a stint in GTs, which I didn't particularly enjoy, but which I was for, for which I was very underprepared. I did only five races. Um, but straight straight away, formally came around the corner. And actually, it was, it was interesting because um, I signed in Formula E. And right when I signed in Formula E, and, and right, when, uh, right after Beijing, I think it was, uh, which was the first race in September, I had an opportunity to do some work um, and to potentially go and do a Grand Prix in Formula One for one of the smallest team. And in the end, I decided back in that, at that point that there was going to be no future to do a one stand one off with that with that team. Uh, it was Formula One, but I would have rather just fully focus on Formula E and build my career in that as a professional race car driver because I believed in the project. So that's really the cutoff moment where I, I realized as a race car driver, okay, I turned the page on Formula One. It was great. It was an amazing experience. It's a life achievement. Mm -hmm just to have been there, but I want to compete. I want to be at the front. I want to uh, be able to do things and, and, and you know, to see a future into, in, in what I'm doing. And, um, and that's when, you know, my whole life 100% shifted on Formula E. And, uh, and, and that's what I focused on. And, and why did I focus on Formula E? Um, because it ticked all the box. When I left Formula One, I look, okay, I'm not going to be a Formula One driver. That's not going to work for me. So, I want to be a race car driver. What what else is there around? You have IndyCar, you have Le Mans, you have Formula E back in, uh, just starting. And I thought Formula E is touching all points that makes it makes that championship more relevant than any other series um, to the current situation in, in in the world at the time. Focusing on sustainability, on 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 having to find uh, greener uh, technologies, on finding new ways to engage with fans. Um, and so it touched, it ticked a few boxes that made me believe that that could be the next series, something that could really work. Um, and, and, and being part of an ecosystem that works, that makes sense, means that as a driver, if you're performing, um, then you have the chance to, to, to be in that ecosystem on merits and because, because you're performing and, and that's the route I took and, and, and I never looked back since. It was a, a very brave move to make at that time because although there was a transition to, um, you know, green energy and sustainability, it was still relatively new in terms of motorsports, a very brave move. But wh where does the, where does Formula One sit for you in the motorsport landscape now? I mean, perhaps looking a bit more long, longer term, what's the future for F1? Are they going green quickly enough? Do they need to, you know, where is it going to sit in, uh, you know, 10 or 15 years time? I mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting 
question and everybody asks themselves that question, but I don't, I don't think that way. Um, I think as Formula E, we need to focus on ourselves. Formula One's doing great. Formula One's been the pinnacle of motorsport for the last seven years, and, and that's where it stands at the moment. Uh, it's provided some great racing. Um, in, in you know, an amazing season last year, still providing great events and great racing this year, and that's great. For sure, there's a transition, a technological transition towards greener uh, technologies that will have to happen in the future. But a lot of things can happen in, in a few years, in 5, 10, let alone 15 years. So I don't want to think too far ahead in that, in that respect. And, and I think Formula E and the championship, we need to just focus on ourselves. And I don't, people have a natural tendency of comparing Formula One and Formula E and who's going to last and who's going to be the most relevant in 10 years, 15 years. I just don't think that way because there's so many things that can happen in the meantime uh, that can shift, you know, the whole situation in, in, in one direction or the other. So Formula E needs to, to, to focus on, 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 on itself. We have a great product. We have great values. We have, you know, we, we have a technology that is very relevant on the very long term. And, and we need to just try to continue to grow what we're doing. And at the moment, Formula One, you're asking me, where does it sit? I think it's, it's the pinnacle of, uh, of, of racing and it's yeah. been for the last 70 years. And I suppose they're still doing a lot of very interesting stuff that is trickling down to our road cars that makes them incredibly efficient. And, you know, they're not like the big V8s and V10s of years gone by um, pumping pollutants into the atmosphere and i think there's i read the um uh the formula one sustainability charter and it, and it was something like only 0.7 percent of the pollution or, or the carbon that they produce every year is actually from the cars themselves so you know as a, as a race series they they're heading in the in the right direction you you touched on the um the technology in formula e there the the cars have obviously come a long way, not just in terms of their technology, but the way they look. The, the Gen 1 cars um, that we were familiar with back in the day into the, the Gen 2 cars that we see today, which are quite sort of aggressive, interesting looking cars. And we had in Monaco the release of the um, the Gen 3 car. Just talk us through the, the technology developments that have happened in the different generations of car. And, and I'm very keen to get your um, honest opinion on the Gen 3. <laughs> um, well, I think, I mean, Formula E has made, and this is where Formula E compared to any other racing series at, at this level, at the world championship level, is, is, is so relevant in that, in that space of the technology of the future for road cars, because that we know, that's, that's where it's going. It's going electric. The world is going electric in terms of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of mobility, uh, and especially, you know, road on, on um, road cars mobility. So, um, formerly he has made, I think, big leap forwards between generation, I think, but the first one is actually within the first generation of formerly e-car. Um, the first car was, you know, an, an, a one car for everybody, um, with one motor, you know, five, five, you still had gearbox and five gears and so on. And, and, um, not necessarily very efficient. We've, we've made a huge step in, motor and gearbox efficiency between throughout the first generation. Um, that was the biggest uh, evolution, I think, during that first generation. Then we made a huge step as well, going from two cars to one car with a bigger, more, I mean, with a, with a more, um, 
with a better battery uh, on the on the Gen 2. Um, that was, I think, an important step for Formula E because we had to start somewhere. And this two-car championship, uh, two-car race, um, in the beginning, some people were saying, well, it's just showing that EVs are not, you know, not, not, not ready enough to go and to go the distance. Uh, that will increase range anxiety. In the end, again, we had to start somewhere. For the show, it was actually quite exciting. For drivers, it was very weird to have to jump from one car to the next. <laughs> but then that was, as much as this might have posed some challenges in the beginning in the way we communicated, it offered a great opportunity to show how fast the technology was evolving when we moved to the Gen 2. And now jumping into Gen 3, we will recoup much more energy. We will recoup energy on the four wheels. Uh, the car is much more powerful, will be much lighter. And again, it just shows the progress of the technology. Um, and and are you, and, and, and then you can maybe specify more, what is your question in terms of, um, you asked me about Gen 3, my opinion on it. I think it's a technological leap forward. Um, it's it's a huge step. The car will, will be much faster. It's uh, the, the region numbers are quite impressive. Uh, and I love that. Um, Maybe you're coming from the angle of the of the design, which obviously there's been talks about. But in the end, where I come from, when it comes to design, it's just a subjective element. And I like it. You might not like it. Some other people might might not like it. In general, human human humans don't like change. You've all had your uh, latest version of Facebook and your latest version of Instagram. And 99% of the people at first hate it because it's change and we get comfortable with what yeah. we know. It's just part of our, part of humankind. Um, and so there's a new radical design that's coming up and it, it, it sparks a debate. But I think, you know, I mean, from my perspective, I, I like the fact that it's different. There is a debate. Um, but the design aspect of things People will get used to it. Then, then a Gen 4 is going to come out and there, some people are going to say, oh my God, it's great. Some people are going to say, oh my God, it's, it's, it's ugly. I don't think the debate is really necessarily around that. I think that's very subjective. I think what we need to focus on is uh, the technology itself and, and the leap forward that you were saying that we're doing. Because that's where Formula E is, is also different. It's in the technology and the technology of the future and, and, and that's where the focus should be. A quick interruption to the show to remind you to check out our sponsor, F1 Experiences. F1 Experiences offer a wide range of packages that come direct from Formula One, giving you a unique experience of the pinnacle of motorsports. Official ticket packages come with the very best race tickets, first-class hotels and transfers, and unprecedented access, including track tours, pit lane walks, VIP hospitality, and loads more. It really is the closest you can get to Formula One. And Motormouth listeners can save 5% on your next F1 Experiences package by using the code MM11F1E when booking online at f1experiences.com. Uh, and that's a very good point, actually. And uh, design aside, I love the fact with, with Formula E, you can literally 
the timeline is so visual and you can see how far that technology has progressed just by looking at the different generation of cars and how far it's actually come in. So people forget how short a space of time it's been. Yeah. You know, F1 be going for 70 plus years now and then formerly not even reached a decade yet. It's, you know, it's amazing how much it's gone through its transition. That's the car side. You yourself, though, have gone through the steps from being well part of a, a fairly uh, unique group now, I would think, actually, of one of the first drivers in that Gen 1 car, then progressing to Gen 2, and then one of the first to make the jump from driver to management. When did you know that you wanted to go into the management side of things? It's a nice way to see I'm a dinosaur. of uh... <laughs> <laughs> A unique selection of groups. Um, unique selection. Again, when, when I touched... On, on, on my transition from Formula One to Formula E and and me wanting to always want to I always want to do things where I can see a perspective, where I can see growth. Um, and that's part of what I enjoy so much in what I've done as a race car driver, what I do now. I like to put myself in you know in ne- not necessarily comfortable situations, actually very uncomfortable situations and I have to you know find my way out of them. Um, because I find that's the way to grow. And to, to what I mean by uncomfortable situation is put myself in the very competitive environments, uh, force myself to have to learn new things and to evolve as a, as a person. And that's one of the things I, I enjoy the most about competition and what I've done. And that's that was true as a race car driver, and that is true now as a, as a team principal. So what happened is that at the end of season six, um, it was the end of my contract with Mahindra, um, which wasn't going to go ahead uh, for for uh, for further seasons, and the options I had on the table was well, I had one option on the table, which wasn't uh, let's say wasn't wasn't the best option. It was for a team that was um, going to allow me that was not going to allow me to fight at the front. Uh, it was, and 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 that's something that. Um, was an important element for me in terms of being able to see myself continue to grow. If you're fighting in the midfield to the front and then you sign with a team that... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You know, won't allow you to, to, to do that. It really feels like a step backwards. And I've always told myself in my career today, I feel my career is going downhill rather than uphill. Um, I will have to have the discipline to stop because I'll be young. I'll be 35, 38, whatever it is. And life is short and there's no time to to lose. And I, I didn't want to just 
be there just to be there just to do another year or just to hang on into something which I'm not really relevant anymore to and and for and and so that was my reasoning and I after the last race in Berlin I uh, I looked at what were the options as I said it was one not great I sat down with my wife I took a two weeks two three weeks off completely disconnected from racing um, in the mountains and uh, and during that period of time I said okay that's it let's call it a day um, and I had nothing I had nothing when I took that decision but I realized also that if I was going to move on I couldn't play play both sides I had to just decide and uh, and go for for uh, for uh, something new if that's what I felt like and you know with the support it's a big decision with the support of my wife um, I I, uh, I took that decision and I went for it and I, that was mid-September and mid-October I was with Venturi. And it's, and it's going incredibly well. I mean, we, we've uh, just come off the back at the time of recording. Where are we? 18th of May. At the time of recording now, you've had a very, very um, successful weekend in Berlin. Position yourselves very nicely in the championship. You've got to be pretty pleased with the way things are shaping up this season. Yes, I mean, it's, the, the team has done an amazing job. Um, and, and it's really something that has started throughout last year. Um, we've had our first, uh, we made a big step last year, I think, going in after Monaco. Uh, I think it was going to Puebla. And since then, the team has done, of course, we haven't won every race. We've not always been on the podium. But in terms of execution and trying to get the, the you know, getting the best out of the, the, the package, I think the, the guys have just continuously work and improve bits by bits. And, and we got now, just as you say, coming back um, from Berlin, which we've, done our best doubleheader race uh, since the inception of the team. Um, we scored 62 points. Edo finished first and second. Lucas finished fourth in, in race two. And uh, I'm pretty convinced we'd have done a top five if it wasn't for a slow puncture in, in, race, uh, in race one. So it's great. But it's Formula E at the same time. So as we speak, uh, 18th of May, we are also uh, starting the preparation for Jakarta. And you have to be very humble in this championship because you have to enjoy the, the highs and, and, and the Berlin races, but you also have to um, realize that it's not because you won the previous race that you're going to necessarily have a great one. You figured everything out and it's going to be the case for the next one. You're in a championship where there's not a strong hierarchy. A difference between teams are within the tenth, especially in qualifying. And so we need to make sure that we, you know, we, we continue to work and, and, and try to continue to improve ourselves and understand why we performed and try to replicate that the next race, but knowing that it's definitely not a given. Um, so that's, a, that's, a, that's a particularity, I think, of the championship. And that's something that's great in Formula E is that you don't know it's going to be one of, one of two teams who are who's going to win the next race, um, which makes it very exciting. You've got two very exciting and, and impressive drivers, as you say, Adam Mortara and, and Lucas Degrassi as well. Does it, does it? I'm imagining the answer is yes, but then again, I don't know. Because you've been a driver now switching to team principal, does that make the relationship when you're dealing with your own drivers better because you sort of know what they're feeling and, and where they're coming from? I think it definitely helps me to understand what a driver might feel um, in certain situations and, and why a driver might react in certain ways. Although it's, I say might because every human being is different. And so you have to take that, you know, be, be very careful with, with just 
um, with generalities. But yes, I think it does help me. Having said that, you're speaking about two drivers with whom I've competed uh, for the last 20 plus year. Um, we've, we've known each other since go-karting. Um, so it's a particular relationship because we were friends and colleagues. Uh, and, and, and now we're, we have a different relationship. We have a different role. I have my own responsibilities that they have theirs as, as race car drivers. And so I think, again, I think it, it will definitely, there will be in the future, the drivers that will come through the ranks that I will see evolving being 20, 22, 25 um, at that age, uh, which will always have known me as a team principal. And I will have probably one sort of one type of relationship with those driver. Um, at the moment, I'm still in a very particular dynamic with the driver's Again, because we've had a relationship for 20 years, that, were, that was one relationship, and I need to find my place now, and, and, and they need to find their place in a dynamic which is very different. But both Edo and Lucas are very intelligent drivers, um, and, and we're finding that dynamic is, is working well. Um, but again, it's different. It's not only because the dynamic here that's at play with these two guys in particular, it's a bit different than just, oh, they're drivers, you were drivers, so... It must be uh, it must be uh, very straightforward for very straightforward for you guys to understand one another. It's funny, Lu- Lucas is uh, an interesting guy to interview. He's a very deep thinker, isn't he? Like he, you, you ask him something and he kind of pauses for three or four seconds and really thinks about what he's going to say. Um, quite an interesting character and someone we actually need to get on the show. Um, we've had Edo already, and he w- he was great. Now. Um, You've obviously got a, um, a counterpart, your your CEO, Susie Wolf. Um, you've got some great people in the team who are female, um, the likes of, of Lizzie Brooks, who we know who helped set this up, um, and many others. And I know that diversity and inclusion, empowerment, equality are all important areas for you. Tell us a little bit more about the ethos that you're trying to get into the race team. I think what, uh, what what we're trying to do here is to create an environment where really people can can strive. Um, there's nothing more, I think, uh, exciting for management to see the people in the company, um, f- you know, extracting all the potential that they have uh, and translating that into into results. And you see the happening. You saw in Berlin. You were speaking about Berlin, a great group of people, and and you know finding the, the right solutions and, 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 and really putting them in, in an environment to, to, to find those solutions. So for us, the, the, the environment that we create here um, is, is of the utmost importance uh, because that's where people can, again, can, can, can strive and can uh, express themselves uh, at their best. Um, diversity and inclusion is not a very important point of that. And, and, I think there's, there's from, from my perspective, there's two, uh, there's two points to that. Um, the first one, and we don't need to, to, I mean, I don't, I don't think we need to, to, uh, to speak too long about it. It really is the right thing to do. At least this is what I believe. Um, so that, that's one thing. But then the, the second point, which I think is, is very important because again, for something to be sustainable on the long term and for people to really try to f- make a difference it has to make sense. And for me, it does make sense. It does also on a very rational point of view, 
performance-driven point of view, having a diverse workforce, people with different backgrounds, with different points of view, is essential for you to be open-minded, to look at problems in from multiple angles, not from... If you have four guys in a, in a room or five guys in a room uh, trying to uh, to solve a problem, and they're all from the same background, they all think the same way, and they all, you know, they're all going to come up with the same solution. They're all going to look at the problem in the same way, and 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 maybe it's going to be the wrong way. There's a high chance it's going to be the, 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 the wrong way. If you have a diverse bunch of people in that room looking at it, challenging, challenging each other's thoughts, this is when you really come up with interesting and different ideas on how to go about this problem. And I think this is where diversity and inclusion is not only the right thing to do from um, from um, an ethical standpoint, it's the right thing to do also for companies and, 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 and for us because it brings real performance. It's, it's, we're a better team like that. Um, and so this is where, you know, this is why it's so important for us to create that environment. You mentioned Lizzie. We've got Delphine, who's uh, who's our uh, who's our team manager. I would say she's, you know, if I don't show up at a race for whatever reason, she's in command there. And and you know, we have um, again, we have people, and it's not only gender, um, um, it's not only gender diversity. Uh, it's it's diversity as in general, uh, cultural diversities, and so on. And I think this is this is a uh, yeah, this is something that's. That's important for the, for those two reasons in my uh, mainly for those two reasons in my in my mind. Mm. Yeah, and going forward, that, that's such a good place to be at the moment as well as it, there's continuing uh, movements and efforts to be made there on on the sporting side of things. Uh, though it's quite an exciting time too because uh, it's been announced that Rocket Venturi Racing will become Maserati from next season. That's that's really exciting, and, and to bring that brand back into a racing environment for the first time in a very long time, the exact amount of years uh, is uh, escapes my brain. But how did that transition come about? And, and you must be hugely excited by the prospect of, of Maserati. Right. It's, been, uh, it's, it's, it's an incredible news for us as a team. Uh, it's an incredible news because it's an incredible brand. And that's exciting for us. It's exciting for the fans. It's exciting for the championship. It's a validation that that the championship is continuing to grow. It's relevant, uh, and and this is why it's important to focus on what we do. We're doing some great things. We have some great brands that are joining the championship, um, and so being joined by them on 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 that aspect and collaborating with them and becoming Maserati uh, going forward, it's it's exciting. It's exciting also because. They share our values and everything that we just spoke about before. Um, that's usually important because we do things in a certain way. We're not afraid to do things that, that we want to do and, 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 and do it in the way we want to do them. Um, and so partnering with, with, with you, you mentioned Elite in the beginning of, 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 uh, of, of the podcast, Maserati, Craft, uh, HPE, all, all, all of our partners, um, Equaf, which is a great brand, sustainable brand, they they have to share. We want them to share Luca. We want to share our our with them our ethos and 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 our values because that allows us to do just great things together. Um, so on that front, it's it's hugely exciting. On the other front of performance, 
uh, and on on where the team is going and as the trajectory that the team has taken over the last uh, few years and 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 particularly the last few months in this really uh, I think in this real uh, up in in performance in general that will also assure us because I'm I'm convinced of the of the performance that that the powertrain will 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 bring us going forward. So this is why it's a bit of a it's it's a great match. Uh, we're very excited to to be working with them, and it's it's been a long uh, it's been a long. Um, we've been in talking to them for a long time. The first uh, the first uh, meeting we had with them was actually in a parking lot in Saudi, um, <laughs> and it was very as you can imagine in a parking lot under 40, sun, 40 degrees sun. It was very informal, uh, but we you know we we started talking then. Um, we never stopped. Uh, talking and trying to explore how we could make this happen and, and it worked in the end so uh, looking forward to that I love how business is done these days you started chatting with them in a parking lot in Saudi Arabia and, <laughs> and somehow the conversation continues until they are the team it's amazing um, but it shows that things ha- I think most most things happen happen that way actually. yeah well, wasn't Formula E on the, on the back of a, a napkin or something like that isn't that the story that uh, a gag uh, tells yeah. everybody that's how he came up with it <laughs> It's uh, it's amazing, but it's but it shows the the power of Formula E now, and and the like you say the brands and OEMs that they're attracting, and, and we've seen recently McLaren announcing that they're they're participating as well. It, it feels like Jerome that Formula E is in a very is in very good health at the moment. I know there was a, you know a couple of manufacturers announced they were leaving, and everyone was like, oh god, it's the end of Formula E, which was never going to happen. There was always going to be that interest. You must be chuffed with the way the series is is going with all these new manufacturers coming in. Definitely, I mean, formerly, yeah, you know, it's it's no secret that that it was it was not you know those manufacturers that left wasn't great news for the championship. I think the COVID hit us pretty bad because of the the the, the, cent- the city centers where we're racing and and so on. But again, I think because we're relevant and because we're working with a technology that will be relevant on the very long term um because the way we interact with fans and 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 everything that formally stands for i think we're we're in a good place and the fact that you've got manufacturers like maserati mclaren just announced that they're joining as well the championship um last week in berlin it was it was uh, it was a moment that was a bit difficult, but we're getting out of it, and and we're getting out of it uh, stronger. I think with a with a Gen three car that's very exciting, um, you know, and that's going to propose I think a very uh, exciting race uh, races. Um, so yeah, I think we're we're look. It's it's great. It's great news. As I always say, we need to continue to focus on what we're doing. Uh, we've got some great. Um, Great things to look forward, and uh, and I'm excited to be part of that uh, of that story since the very since the very beginning. Mm. Well, the, well, the future, as you say, is, is very exciting in the world of Formula E. Now we are coming uh, to the end. Time flies by. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, slightly random quick fire questions to throw at you. Um, do you have a hero, racing or otherwise? No, I don't. I don't. I don't have a hero. Um, I, you know, I was never the type of, you know, getting going crazy for an autograph or something, but there are people I really admire. Uh, and, and I think for me, you know, admiring is even, is to a certain extent, is even stronger because you really, you know, look and, and, and you try to, to understand where these people are coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the world of racing, I, I admired Senna's commitment, passion, um, 
I admire also Jackie Stewart, which I, I got to know personally uh, it, through my uh, during my days in, in Formula One. A very intelligent person that manages his, uh, his post-Formula One career uh, brilliantly. Um, and there are some people I admire and I, I look up to, and uh, definitely, but, but not only one, for sure. Do you have any hidden talents or skills that people might not know about? It could be a, it could be an instrument. A <laughs> um, hidden talent. Oh God! Uh, something that that is okay. No, there's something. There is something here. No, 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 no. Um, look, I can juggle. Oh, um, you juggle. But, yeah, but actually, most race car drivers can because it's part of this coordination. Oh, that's uh, true. Thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, we'll take juggling. Okay. We'll take well, juggling. We'll move on. We'll move on, shall we? <laughs> let's, let's move on. Is there, is there anything, before we come to our final three questions, is there anything you are completely useless at, like just terrible? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. A lot of things. Uh, it's easier you can find more things I'm useless at than, uh, than I'm good at. Um, Football, tennis, uh, any sports <laughs> like that, and just I've got zero coordination. Um, yeah, really, uh, re- really useless at that. That's fair enough. Fair enough. Well, you've got to be good at something, and you're clearly good at business and driving cars, driving cars very quickly. So I think most people would take that. Now we've got a final three questions, uh, which we're going to fire at you, which are brought to you by our partners at F1 Experiences. Um, I'll kick off this week. Um, Jerome, what's got you excited at this very moment in time? Uh, the perspective of uh, of next race. That's something that, and that's the best thing about that I discovered in my new role, is that the excitement of going racing, the excitement you get when you get a victory, it's no less than when I was in the car. When Edo crossed that line and or does the pole position, I get the same thrill that I did in the car. So uh, I'm excited about about going to to Jakarta and and the opportunity that we have for the coming uh, for the rest of the season. Mm. How much of your success is down to luck and right place, right time, and how much is, is down to other things? It's actually, it's, I think luck plays a role. I think you also do create your own luck. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. I, the way I met the people that, that, that funded my, my, um, my GP2 career, I was at an event, stood next to someone, um, to a lady, and I mentioned, and, and there were the two, these two politicians, Belgian politicians, um, presenting something. And my friend on the right says, do you know who these guys are? And I said, look, I've got no clue. And the person next to me, that lady, is their PR. She starts laughing. She says, well, I'm doing a bad job. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And she, we start speaking. And I say, and she's asked, what do you do? I'm, I'm a race car driver. Oh, I know this guy you should meet. They're looking into getting involved with young drivers. And that's how I met the guys that funded my GP2 career. So, wow. so that's being at the, at the right place at the right time. Luck. But at the same time, and when I mean you create your own luck, that exact morning, I remember my dad, uh, me not thinking that I was going to be useless as an event and I didn't want to go and so on. And my dad telling me, Jerome, you got to just you know, knock on 10,000 doors for one to open. You just got to go. And I had this argument and then I left and I said, okay, he's right. And I'm, I'm going to go. If I hadn't tried that 10,000 times, 
I might have not met that person. So this is where I think resilience and 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 will to succeed and continuing to push is a combination of things. But that's essential. If you don't have that, it's just never going to work out. Very good. And now our final question for you before we let you get on with your day. What are you scared of? And go as deep or as light as you like. Oh, well, lightly, spiders, snakes. Uh, <laughs> I, I hate spiders. I'm so scared. I'm scared of them. Uh, there's a lot of things that one is scared about. And I think being scared is actually very healthy. Uh, it's getting you to think and it's getting you not to be reckless. Um but you have to understand when a fear kicks in and you have to try to understand if it's rational or not. Um, so fears are part of, of, of us and definitely part of me. Uh, the fear that I try to get the most under control is the fear of the future, of what's going to happen. Because that is, I feel, one of the most, can potentially be one of the most damaging thing in being in basically in, in the fact that it can paralyze you. And to give an example, um, it was scary to leave my career as a race car driver and to say, I stop now with nothing on, on, on the side. And at that point, I was leaving something which wasn't great, but which would have gotten me by. But to make the decision to go and say, no, I, this is not the way I want to live my life. I want to I, I do things that are meaningful, where I believe I can grow, where I can have a future and, and continue to evolve in, in, in the path of, of evolving, evolving as a human being. I had to make a decision and I was afraid to make that decision. So this is where fear of what's going to happen, of the uncertainty, uh, sometimes is relevant and you have to acknowledge that and you don't want to be reckless but sometimes you have to also be bold and, and go for it and take a risk because the reality is that we don't know what tomorrow is made of mm, very very true and, and yeah, I mean you brilliantly answer you then speak on a variety of subjects so brilliantly it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you uh, Jerome D'Ambrosio thank you so much for coming on to the Motormouth podcast thank you thank you for having me if you've been listening to this and thinking, actually, I really want to go and experience a race for myself in person, why not do it in style at a Formula One Grand Prix thanks to F1 Experiences, the official experience, hospitality and travel program of Formula One. F1 Experiences really is the closest you can get to the sport. Official ticket packages, which include the best race tickets, first class hotels, travel and exclusive behind the scenes access across a Grand Prix weekend. F1 Experiences offer packages like no other. So to book your F1 Experiences package, head online to f1experiences.com and if you enter code MM11F1E, you'll get 5% off too. Thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast. Do make sure you give us a follow on our socials, Twitter at Motormouth underscore, Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook, just search Motormouth. You can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MMTV, create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy. We're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor Charity too, so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker. Don't forget to like, subscribe and review, and until next time, you've been listening to the Motormouth Podcast. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.